because everything I have, I want y'all to hear me now. Listen to me. Every good thing I have has come from him. You say, what do you mean? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Lord. You know that car you drove this morning? You may think I worked really hard to get it, but guess what? That was still God's gift to you. You may say that good meal that I ate, I worked really hard to provide it. Yes, but he gave you the ability to do it. Amen. You have eyes to see because he gave them to you. You have ears to hear because the Lord was rich enough to give you that. Amen. There's a lot of people this morning. You say, Pastor, you don't know where I'm at. You don't know my problem. No, I don't. But I'm going to tell you something. There's probably a million people that would trade places with you this morning. I guarantee you they would. You have two hands. You have two feet. You have two eyes. And you have ears to hear. And most of all, you have God in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Now just turn around and say something nice to somebody. Put a big smile on your face and say something kind to them. Tell somebody something good. I'm glad to see you. You look nice. Thank you for being here. It's good to be in God's presence. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad to be in the house of God this morning? If you're glad to be here, why don't you put your hands together for the Lord one more time. Thank you, God. Look over to your neighbor and tell your neighbor you were meant to be here. You were meant to be here because if you weren't meant to be here, the devil wouldn't have fought you that hard this morning when you tried to leave the house. I know. So, uh, 15 months old, Sutton loves to ride in the car every day except this morning. Did not want to get in her car seat. So if you weren't meant to be here, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been that hard to get to church this morning. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We want to welcome all of our guests. Thank you so much for being here. What we're asking you to do is, if you will, at this time, take out your cell phone. And at the end of the announcements, we're going to ask you to text in a code so that you can get a gift certificate, a gift card in the mail. So that'll be coming up here at the end of the announcements. But go ahead and uh, find your cell phone. You'll need it here in a, in a minute. I uh, want to move on to Beyond, which is the Section 4th Women's Ministry, is hosted uh, a night with Sister Tinny. If you don't, if that is what a blessing that is. That's going to be here in De Quincey at the First United Pentecostal Church at 230 Smith Street, uh, just across the, the road there. And uh, it starts at 7 p.m., and that's going to be on February the 25th. They also want you to ladies they've got everything set up for you they're going to have vendors there they're going to have a, a meal and all kinds of stuff so if what a great opportunity to have that uh, just across the street so that's going to be february the 25th for all of our ladies that would want to attend that uh, men's conference right around the corner coming up on april the 28th so if you haven't been to men's conference gentlemen you need to make time to go it's a wonderful uh, few days to be together with fellowship with with people in our church, but with also with other churches there. That's going to be from April 28th to the 30th up at the campgrounds. And uh, you can register at la 
district, which is D-I-S-T-U-P-C.com. There's a $35 registration fee, um, and I believe that's where you'll find the lineup of speakers and all that great stuff as well. So back to our guests. If you have your phone out, we would like for you to take a minute. So at the, up at the top, you're going to do a new text message. The number you're going to put in is 84576. The message you're going to send to that number is TPCDQ. Okay? What will happen at that point is you'll receive a link, fill that out, give us as much information as you're comfortable with, mainly your name, and we're going to ask you your address, not so we can blow you up, so we can send you a gift card, okay? We would love for you to take advantage of that. And we do have a few prayer requests as we wrap up as our ushers come forward. Uh, we'd like for to keep Teresa Hurd in prayer, Miss Sister Doris Spikes, Kenny Buxton, and the Vivian Clark family. Uh, Vivian Clark and family, I apologize for that. Let's go to the Lord as we give. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to give to such a wonderful work and a wonderful cause. Lord, we know, God, that you take the, the dollars and the, the seed that we're sowing today and you use it all across the world, Lord. Thank you for never allowing the sun to set on the ministry that you're doing in your people. Lord, we ask, God, that you bless the gift and the giver and be with us today. Open our hearts our ears and our minds, Lord, to receive the word from our pastor. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The blood that Jesus shed for me.
the week I just seek God and what he would every week I ask the Lord Lord if you were here in person you were literally here in person what would you say to some of the greatest people walking the planet and with his help I feel like the Lord places things in my spirit and I studied this week and I thought that I had the mind of the spirit and last night um, about 730 just knew it wasn't right I went to the Lord and spent time in prayer on my face again because every Sunday we got to make it count and I can't come here and have cute church and preach you just a little cute message because the word has life in it and it feeds us and we need to be fed the manna from heaven and so I just come to you uh, and I'm going to just give you what I feel like the Lord placed in my spirit last night. It's something totally and completely different from what I had planned to say, but I'm just asking the Lord to help me and I'm asking you to help me. And together we're going to do our best to please the Lord. Once again, to all of our guests, we welcome you no matter where you're from. No matter who you are, no matter the color of your skin, God loves you. And we love you. And we're happy that you are here. Mean that. To all of our, those that have joined us online, thank you. And I'd love for you to be here. If you're ever in the big town of De Quincey, come by and see us. We're going to love you so many ways you're bound to like one of them. Amen. 
And last but not least, we're glad to have the Grigsby's. Brother David Grigsby brought us a word from the Lord Wednesday night. It was rich. You did a great job. Sister Grigsby, it's good to see you. I'm going to just talk to you out of my heart. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, for the next few minutes, would you just anoint your servant, anoint my mind and my mouth and help it to flow into the heart of this church and that the Lord, this assembly would be encouraged and enriched and edified through the word of the Lord. And we give you all the praise, honor and glory. And everybody say amen. amen. You can be seated. One of the things that I have learned about the Lord is that God does not explain himself. He reveals himself. If I have your attention, say amen. Amen. I'm going to say it again. One thing that I have learned about the Lord is he does not explain himself. He reveals himself. He revealed himself to Abraham when Abraham had a situation that he did not know how to get out of. Won't get into that story, but God revealed himself as a ram in the bush to take the place of his son, Isaac. And he revealed to Abraham that I am Jehovah Jireh. I will provide an offering. Oh, I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but for some of you that find yourself in a situation that you do not know how to get out of, I want you to turn your eyes toward Jesus this morning and remember that when you don't know how to get out of it, he's going to present himself as Jehovah Jireh. I myself will provide an offering for you and I will make a way of escape. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but if you're a man here or a lady here and you are facing certain temptations, a temptation maybe of a woman or a man or a substance or whatever it may be, the word of God says there is no temptation known to man that God cannot make a way of escape for it. Get your eyes off of what is tempting you and get your eyes on your Savior and say, God, I can't do this in my flesh. I don't know how to get out of this mess, but if you will show me, I'll walk toward you. I, Lord, will go where you want me to go. God continued to reveal himself. He revealed himself as Jehovah El Shaddai. Right? El Shaddai, meaning he is the Lord God Almighty. He's over every situation that you are facing this morning, be it little or be it small. He is the Lord God Almighty. May I remind you that this government is not in control. This government and this economy is not in control of our lives. May I just remind all of us that God is sitting on his throne. And he is not shaken. He is not stirred. He is not concerned. He is not biting his nails. It's all going to unfold in his time. But I want to remind somebody this morning that in the end, we win. So turn your eyes upon Jesus and remind yourself this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. 
Unshackle yourself from everything that would hold you back. Your house is not a mansion, but you got one over there. Your car is not that important, but over there, you're going to be able to be at a place in the twinkling of an eye because you're going to have a body that is going to be glorified. I'm here to tell you as good as earth is, heaven is so much better. Look at your neighbor and tell them, let's go. Where are we going? Let's go to heaven together. Come on, let's go to heaven together. I've got a mama to see. I've got grandparents to see. I want to see Logan. I want to see Madeline. I want to see Bowie. Come on, I, I want to I see. I want to see these kiddos that we've lost. I want to see the great patriarchs of the faith that we have lost. Come on, we're going to sing and shout and dance about when we get over yonder. We got to keep our eye on what is eternal. Megan and all of the rest of the saints of God that have gone before us. We have to remember, ladies and gentlemen, this world is not our home. We're passing through. It's only temporal. God goes on to reveal himself as Jehovah Nissi. In other words, the Lord is my banner. He's my banner. And he goes on and says, Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that heals you. Hey, God don't always do it the way we want him to do it, but it doesn't mean we throw our Bible in the streets. He's still the healer. He's still the savior. He's still the protector. He's still a fence around about us. Come on, somebody. He is Jehovah Shalom. If you're being tormented in your mind, he said, I am the God of peace. And I will give you a peace that will surpass your human understanding. I want to speak to every tormented mind in this house. God doesn't want you to be tormented one more minute. I'm tormented, pastor, about my health. I'm tormented about this report that I got from the doctor. Can I remind you of God's word? Whose report will you believe? We are going to believe the report of the Lord. No matter that some things didn't go our way, we are still believers and we are still people of faith and we're going to rise up and we're going to continue to claim everything that God has promised us in his word. He reveals himself. He doesn't explain himself. And God revealed himself In other words, his character, right? He revealed his character. He revealed his nature through the tabernacle of Moses. So I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. Moses' tabernacle and my temple. And I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. And I want to read from the Good News translation. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I'm just going to flow with what I feel. This is why your pastor believes in modesty. Because our body is important. And as Christians, we need to present modesty to the world. Because our body is important. Say, my body. Talk to me, my body. My temple. It's not, brothers and sisters, that our body is all of that important, but it's what our body houses. Our body is the temple that houses the spirit of the living God. 
See, this corruptible flesh is one day going to put on incorruptible, right? And this imperfect mind is going to put on the perfect mind. And our corruptible bodies are going to be glorified. But for the here and now, what makes our body important is what we carry on the inside of it. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And so what I don't want is I don't want people looking at my body and staring at my curves or my muscles. I want them looking at the spirit of the living God and saying, I don't know what it is about you, but I love your smile and I love that you're always whistling and I love that you're always singing and I love that you got a pep in your step and I love it when you walk into the job because the atmosphere changes, not because you got the curves or the muscles, but because you have the spirit of God that is radiating on the inside of you. Right? We are, and he goes on to talk about that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Say, God lives in me. God lives in me. Most Somebody said once upon a time, the reason why you bow your head is because you're looking at God. Because God is on the inside of you. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spaketh he of the Spirit. And then the writer goes on to say, You do not belong to yourself. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, we forget this. We think my body, my choice. I'm sorry. That's not what the word says. He says he has purchased your body. How did he do it? Through his own blood at Calvary. You were purchased with a price. You don't belong to yourself. If you are a believer, you don't belong to yourself. What makes you valuable is not your Ferrari. It's not your mansion. It's not your million dollars. What makes you valuable is you have the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of you. Are y'all with me? For you were bought with the price. Now, I want you to notice something. In the tabernacle, there was a brazing altar. Do you see it? It's the very first piece right there. It was the brazing altar. And it was where people brought their animal sacrifices for their sins. And the animal flesh and the blood was placed upon the altar to cover their sins. And a sacrifice was offered, in other words, to repair an offense. When we have sinned, we have offended God. We offend God through our sin. It's not that he can't overcome it. It's not that he's freaked out about it. But God is so holy, ladies and gentlemen, that he must judge every sin. He wouldn't be just if he didn't judge every sin. And so in the Old Testament, Moses' tabernacle, there was a brazing altar. And they would come and they would place their animals upon that. And that blood of that male uh, lamb would cover their sins. Now, my temple, my temple, I no longer have to go to a brazing altar. But I still need an altar. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him you still need an altar. No, you need to say it like you mean it. You still need an altar. Why do I still need an altar? Because of my flesh. And I have to go back and I have to put my flesh on the altar. Because I'm going to tell you something. My flesh is strong. It wants what it wants when it wants it. 
It's amazing how strong the flesh is and how weak it is at the same time. It's very strong when somebody tells you what to do. You're like, I'll show you. Right? But it's very weak when it comes to that chocolate cake at nine o'clock at night. And you're salivating and you're saying, God, help me, sweet Jesus. I don't need this big old piece of chocolate cake with some homemade bluebell ice cream. And you're staring at it and you're saying, get thee behind me, devil. I'm on a fast. And you, hey, I'm going to tell you something. I am not lying. It seems like every time I fast, somebody brings me donuts. No joke. I go on a three-day fast. They knock on my door. Pastor, I just wanted, I was thinking about you this morning. I'm like, oh, here we go. Here's you some donuts. Uh-huh. And my flesh wants to go, well, you better believe it. Right? And yours does too. So it's amazing how we can be so strong and so weak at the same time. And the reason why we all need an altar is because every day the flesh wants its way. That's right. Every day the flesh wants to do what it wants to do when it wants to do it because we don't want anybody lording over us. And so we have to bring our flesh back to the altar. And here's what the scripture says, that we present ourselves a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So now I don't have to bring an altar, but you know what I have to bring? My flesh. And I'm not talking about that I literally have to burn my flesh. That's not what I'm saying. But my will, my my sinful desires, I bring back to the altar and say, God, help me again today. Now, here's what 1 John 1 and 9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know what? That's why we need an altar. Because there are some times, if you'll get honest, you willfully sin knowing what you're doing. Come on, come on. You're right, come on. Oh, okay. So you're going to act like that, are you? That's fine. I'll call you out. Okay. Now you're fixing to have to lie if you don't tell the truth. How many of you have ever willfully sinned knowing what you were doing? You knew it. Well, there you go. Quit acting like you're so holy. We've all willfully sinned. Why? Because the flesh wants what it wants. Right? Yes, it does. You, pastor, yes, me. I've willfully sinned. Knowing I was doing the wrong thing. Knowing exactly what I was doing. And so when I do that, thank God he doesn't kick me out. But his grace is sufficient. And then what I have learned is I have learned that fear doesn't keep me close to God. Mm -mm, It doesn't. The more I learn of his character and his nature, the more I get the glimpses of his grace, the less I want to sin willfully because now I don't want to hurt him because now we are so close that I don't want to offend him and I don't want to hurt him and I want to keep on my life things that money can't buy. I'm here to tell you there are some things that money cannot buy and the anointing is one of them and I feel it on me right now and I feel it in this room right now because that's what God wants to give us is an anointing that will break every yoke in our life 
right? And so we just keep going back to that altar. Keep going back to the altar. We all need an altar in our life. Yes, we do. Here's what Romans 12 and 1 says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Present. Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. And let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable. This is the true way to worship. Amen. Amen. Do I repent every day? Mm, probably not. But there are times when I think about it, I say, God, forgive me for my secret sins. Forgive me for things I didn't even know I did that maybe I have done. But I will tell you, we all need an altar in our life because our flesh is strong. And we got to take our flesh and we got to die daily so that the Spirit of Christ can live in us. Are you with me? Amen. Because here's what I know, brothers and sisters. Every one of us in this room, we're going to worship something. It's not a matter of, are you going to worship? That's not the question. The question is, what are you going to worship? And if we don't take our flesh to the altar, I'll tell you what we'll worship. We'll worship money. We'll worship SEX. Come on, somebody. We'll worship prestige. We'll worship our positions. We'll worship our pleasures. Come on, yes, we will. Y'all acting like I don't know what I'm talking about. Come on, I need some real folk up in here. I said, we're going to worship something. So you have to decide, what is it am I going to worship? Come on, somebody. Because whatever you worship is what you become like. You think of all those stadiums. They're not maybe full today, but you think of those football stadiums and how those people, those are places of worship. Did you hear the man the other day announce, this is the hallowed ground is what he said in the stadium? Yeah, that's what he said. This is hallowed ground. No, it's not. This is hallowed ground. That may be their hallowed ground, but this is the hallowed ground right here, right? Because we're worshiping something. It's deity. It's God. Because you're going to worship. You just have to decide, what am I going to worship? Can I get a witness? Oh, my Lord, help me this morning, God. See, we all need an altar. that We can daily take our flesh and present our will before the Lord. And pray as Jesus prayed and say, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. Then the tabernacle, if you see it right there, the little blue dot, that was the laver. And what what that was all about is that every time the priest uh, presented a sacrifice and they got blood on their hands and maybe, you know, dirt on their feet or whatever, they would have to go to that laver and they would wash in that laver as a sign of cleansing. Because once again, God is holy, brothers and sisters, and he didn't want any blood on their hands. He didn't want any dirt on their feet. He never wanted them to walk in his sanctuary with anything on them that was impure. Now, I realize this is Old Testament. Please just bear with me. I realize this. But listen, at the same time, God still wants his people to cleanse themselves. 
He wants us to be a holy people. What does that mean? It means that we separate ourselves from sin. Y'all going to get quiet on me. Now, the labor represents baptism. And this baptism is a one and done. The reason why I don't hardly baptize anyone twice, I'll make exceptions now and then. But the reason why I don't do it very often is because it's a one and done. When we baptize you in Jesus' name, every one of your sins you ever committed was washed away. How do you know that? Because he forgave our sins past, present, and future. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt your theology, but if you think God's got to go jump back on the cross every time you sin, you are mistaken. You are mistaken. When he said it is finished, it was a finished and a final work. Now, all I have to do is go back and say, God, I've messed up again. Would you apply your grace, Lord, to my faults and failures and my sins? And thanks be unto God that he is faithful. But when I went in those waters of baptism, all of my sins were washed away. Right. And so we go back. Though we go back as a typology and we make sure that we are cleansed. Notice what it says in Ephesians 5 and 26. It tells us this with the washing of the water of the word. Okay, think about this with the washing of the water of the word. So every time that I sin, I don't have to go back and get into a baptismal tank. But what I need to do is I need to keep washing my mind with the word so that I hide my his word in my heart that I don't sin against him. And the more I get this word in my mind and in my spirit, the less I want to offend him and the less I want to hurt him because I'm washing my mind. Does that make sense? Okay. Then what happens, what you see next is, is you see there is a candlestick. Now, once you went into this room, it was pitch black. It was, there was no outside light whatsoever because there were very thick curtains that covered the very front of the tabernacle. And so the priest had to go in and he had to light this lamp so he could actually see. Here's what the scripture says. The Lord is a light unto my pathway and he is a lamp unto my feet. And those priests could not perform their purposes if they didn't have the light. And I'm here to tell you the reason why people love darkness is because their deeds are evil. But when you get the light in your life, then that light is going to lead you. It's going to guide you. You're going to be able to fulfill your purpose because you're going to be able to see. How many's ever been in a dark room where you couldn't see your hand in front of your face? You know what you do? You bump into walls. You stump your toe. Then you cuss. Or you say something you shouldn't. Right? That's what happens when you're in the dark. That's why he is the light. So you can see, so you can fulfill your purpose. You know, one of my, one of my uh, chores at home is to sweep the floors. We have hardwood floors. So I sweep the floors. I, I sweep the floors a lot because one of my values is cleanliness. And one speck on that dark hardwood floor, I'm OCD. I'm got my little sweeper. I'm, I'm sweeping it up. 
I've got that little swifter. And man, I, you know, I'm, you can go right now if you want to. You can eat off those floors right now. But I'm going to tell you something. When that sunshine comes in those back doors just right. Uh, I'm like, you got to be joking me. I see Valentine's hair on the floor. I see little dust balls on the floor. I mean, I done swept that thing. I'm not exaggerating three times, swifted it three times. I'm like, this sucker is clean. Like you can eat off this baby. And then the light comes in. And then I see things, Carl, I never saw. I'm like, you got to be joking me. You, you, you know what? You know what happens? Listen to me. Listen to me. You, you know what we do? We compare ourselves to our neighbor in this section and we say, I'm holy. Because, man, I sure don't look like her. Or we look at our brother across and we're like, man, compared to him, I'm really holy. I want to just remind you something. When his light comes in. Y'all with me? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. When his light comes in, you're going to say exactly what Isaiah said. Whoa. Whoa is me. I ain't looking at my neighbor now. I ain't comparing myself to how holy I am versus how holy you're not. Because his light is on me. And I realize, Lord, there ain't a thing I can do to save myself. I have to have you. I must have your grace and your mercy. It's not what Jesus does plus what I do. I'm sorry you didn't hear me. I'm going to say it again. When you get in his light and he's going to ask you, why should I allow you in? And you say, because I taught five Bible studies. Because I taught Sunday school for 20 years. Because I gave $10,000 to the church. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for the Bible studies. Thank you for coming to church 20 years. Thank you for the 10000 I mean it from my heart. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not the correct answer. Because when his light gets on you, let me tell you something. All of that is not going to matter to a hill of beans. When he says, why should I let you in? Your answer better be because of what you did for me at Calvary. That is the only thing I can plead is your grace and your mercy. Are you with me? Because when his light shines on you, you're going to see yourself for yourself. And I'm going to tell you this. It's probably not going to be a pretty picture. And you're probably not going to be nearly as holy as you think you are. That's why we need the light to show us ourselves. Because, see, you're going to always think you're better than you really are. Until the light of his word begins to show you who you really are. That's why you need the light. Because you're going to think, I'm pretty holy. Because you're only comparing yourself to your brother across the street. But when you compare yourself to this... See, see, brothers and sisters, I wish I had an hour and a half to preach to you. See, please listen to me. You can't and I can't live this standard. You can't. It's too high for us. The only one that could live that standard was Jesus Christ. 
The rest of us, we can't live this. It's too high. So what are you saying? I'm saying within your flesh, you can't do it and I can't either. That's why we constantly need an altar to go back to. Because our flesh is enmity against God. The only way, brothers and sisters, that we can live this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we got to go back every day and say, God, I told him yesterday. I said, God, yesterday's in the tomb. Tomorrow is in the womb. Today is the present. And I need you right now. Yeah, you know what? God helped me yesterday. I don't think I sinned. But today's a new day. And that's why I need an altar in my life. And that's why I constantly need to wash my mind with his word. And that's why I need his light to shine on me. Because you know what? We can think we're pretty good old Joes. Because we're just comparing ourselves to Bill down the street. But when you compare yourself to this, brothers and sisters, God will show you things about yourself that you'll say, oh, dear God, woe is me. And then you know what was else was in that? It was the table of showbread. What was the table of showbread all about? It was God saying, you know what? I know you need to be sustained. And so I am your bread. I am what you need when you need it. Come on, somebody. You know what? We're going to feed ourselves something. We're going to all feed ourselves something. And now we need natural food to sustain us, but we also need spiritual food. And this is why, again, you got to get your face out of Facebook and get your face into the book. I'm not against Facebook. I'm not against social media. But those things there that you, you compare yourself to this one and to that one. And they're showing you the very best. And then we're thinking, my God, they're living this Cinderella life. No, they're not. Don't compare yourself to that mess. Get out of some of that and get your face into this book and let it be your identity. Let it feed your spirit. Am I talking to anybody here? Come on, brothers and sisters. You're going to eat something. You're going to eat something. Eat this word. It's the bread that will sustain you, right? Then here's what John says, 6 and 35. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, check this out, will never go hungry. See, so, so you know what we're trying to do? We're always trying to sustain ourselves from something outside. If I can get this woman, mm, that's just that got the curves. And brother be looking like he's something. He got the sister with the curves. Driving up in my red Ferrari. I'm a something. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Because we try to get all of this outside stuff to say I'm valuable. I got sister. I got the Ferrari. I got the, I got the, you know, the shack up on the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you something, aren't you? Come get some of this from my crib. Mm-hmm. 
Where'd you learn all that, Pastor? The Hope House. Learned it all from the Hope House. I was innocent. I was a juvenile. I was a virgin. I learned it all from the Hope House. I didn't. I didn't. That's a lie. I didn't. I didn't. I knew some of it way before I ever met any Hope House guys. But I love Hope House. I love you. I love you, cats. I love y'all. I'm just messing with you, right? I'm just picking on you. But y'all know what I'm telling is the truth. I'm just, you know, trying to bring it home to you, right? Because we're always trying to look for outside things to make us feel valuable, that we're important, that we're something. Because we're not getting our value from Him. Are you with me? You're going to eat something. You're going to drink something. You better be sure you know what you're drinking, the well you're drinking from, and the bread you're eating from. Come on, somebody. See, my temple... I'm talking about Moses' tabernacle in my temple. The tabernacle, and, and, and I'm going to hurry. Man, oh man. The tabernacle, go back to the tabernacle, please, Baron. Thank you. The tabernacle, you see that last piece before the veil? That was the altar of incense. And it was commanded of um, Aaron. Aaron, listen, son, you got to keep this burning night and day. Why? Because God wanted incense going up before him all the time. What was that incense? A typology of it It was a typology of prayer. That's what it was. A typology of prayer. Here's where the New Testament writer says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So you have to learn. I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying it. If you can worry, if you can worry, you can meditate. Because all worry is, is meditating on the wrong things. You say, I can't meditate. Yes, you can. If you're ever worried, then you can meditate. All you got to do is flip what you're thinking about. Flip it and start thinking on the goodness of God. Lord, I don't know how to get out of this, but I know you're all wisdom. So give me the wisdom. Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation, but show me what to do in this situation. Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to enter into your gates with thanksgiving to your courts with praise. And you just start keeping your mind upon the Lord. Instead of panicking, I'm going to pray. Instead of worrying, I'm going to worship. I'm making a choice what I'm going to keep my mind on, right? That's how you learn to pray without ceasing. Say, I can't do that. It wouldn't be in the Bible if you couldn't do it, but you can't do it in your flesh. You have to have the spirit to help you, right? Does that make sense? In the scripture, the incense is often associated with prayer. David prayed, may my prayer be set before you like incense. Here is 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Here's Molly's life verse. I love it. It's Philippians 4 and 6. New Living Translation says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Hmm. I feel the Holy Spirit in this room right now, don't you? Musicians, would you come and I'm going to wrap this up. The next thing that you see, and we'll be brief, the next thing you see is the veil. And the veil, what the veil did is it separated God from man. 
Because you got to go back. Now, God is so holy that he despises, detests, hates our sin. And and the sin of mankind will incur the wrath of God. And so what this veil did, brothers and sisters, this veil actually separated the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God, from the priest. I'm going to just show you something. This is... It's pretty cool. I want you to look at Mark 15 and 37. They're going to put it up on the screen. Here's what it says. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. For, for those of you that are new, what does that mean? That veil is what separated God from man. But when Jesus finished the work on Calvary, through divine, through, I guess, angelic beings, they literally took that veil. The Spirit of God ripped it from top to bottom. What is that a sign of? That now God is no longer angry with man. He no longer separates himself from man. But even, check this out, y'all, even when I sin. Okay, I got to tell you this. The high priest went in once a year to the Ark of the Covenant to apply the blood. But he had to go through rituals to make sure that there was no sin in his life. Because if he went in there with sin, God killed him. That's Bible. I don't have time to prove it, but it's Bible. Okay? But check this out. Now, even though Wayne Nealon has willfully sinned, I couldn't do what the high priest did or God would drop me. But after I've willfully sinned, I can still come before the throne boldly to ask for grace to help me in my time of need. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've done it with, his blood is enough. It's enough to cover everything that you have ever done in your life. And he allowed that veil to be ripped because now he's no longer angry at man because of his sin. Because God looks at what Jesus did on the cross and Jesus incurred all of the wrath of all mankind's sins. And he did it once and for all. And so now, even when I willfully sin, I can still go before the Lord. And His grace is sufficient. Now I'm hastening, I'm hurrying. But once you got behind that veil, you went to that Ark of the Covenant. And that Ark of the Covenant had three things in it. It had a pot of manna. had the Ten Commandments. And it had Aaron's rod that budded. And I won't take you to the Scripture, but I believe it's in Numbers, I believe, 17. And the Bible says... That when the people came against Moses and Aaron to contest who was the high priest, God says, you take 12 staffs from every tribe and you take Aaron's and you write his name on it. And in the morning time, let's see who God's chosen man is. You can read this in your Bible. And that old dead staff that had no life in it. 
the miraculous power of God touched that old dead staff and it had a bloom and had a blossom and it produced, the Bible says, ripe almonds. It was a miracle. Happened overnight to confirm that Aaron was God's high priest. What are you saying? I'm saying that in that ark, there was bread that sustains us. There was the Ten Commandments. And there was Aaron's rod, which is the miraculous. But most of all, it was his presence with the people. Right? It was with the people. But after Jesus did what he did at Calvary, it's no longer God with us. It's God in us. God in us. And you know what God wants? He no longer looks through the laws and the lens of the Ten Commandments. He now looks through the lens of the gospel. And the gospel tells us that we come to him through the altar and we repent of our sins. And then we go by the labor and we're baptized in his name. And then we walk through the veil and we walk into that what's called the holies of holies. And that's where his presence, his glory, his Shekinah is felt. And then when we come by the way of the altar and the way of the labor, then we can lift up our hands and he will fill us with his spirit so that he empowers us through the power of the Holy Ghost to carry on the ministry that he started in the earth. And now guess what? This is so fine. Now you are high priest. You are a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people who he has brought out of darkness and placed, here we go, into his marvelous light. If you receive this word, would you stand to your feet and give God some praise right now all over this house? Would you give him praise? Hallelujah. Would you open your mouth and would you thank him? Thank him for his blood. Thank him for his word. Thank him for his name. Thank him for his goodness. Hallelujah. Now here's what's going to happen. If you got to go, understand. But if you don't, just hang in here just a minute. Brothers and sisters, there's three ways we sin. We sin with our mouth. We sin with our mind. We sin with our body. We sin with our mouth, our mind, and our body. And so we come to God because he is holy and say, God, forgive me of the sins of my mouth, the sins of my mind, and the sins of my body. And when we do that, then what we do is we just open ourselves to receive the gift. It is a gift. It is a gift. That gift is to empower you over yourself, over sin, over sickness, and over Satan. He no longer wanted to just be with his people. He wanted to be in his people so that we too can see the miraculous. So that now we can preach the gospel of the finished work of Calvary. Hmm. 
So here's what I'm going to ask you to do all over this room. You don't have to come up to the front. But right where you're standing, I want everybody in this house so that we do it in unison. Ask God to forgive us for the sins of our mouth, our mind, and our body. And then I want you to ask God to once again fill you with the baptism of his spirit. Would you do it? Everybody together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you right now, Lord, and we ask you that you would forgive us for the sins of our mouth and the things that we have said that have not been pleasing to you. Father, we come, O oh Lord, and we ask you to forgive us for the sins of our mind and the lust of our mind. The things that we have reached for that have not been healthy or holy. And now, God, we pray you would forgive us for the sins of our flesh, the things that we have done with our physical bodies. We ask you to forgive us, that you would cleanse us from all of our sin and our unrighteousness. And Lord, what we ask for now is for the renewing, the refilling of the first baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can walk, oh God, pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Now I want you to start worshiping him. Come on, right there in your pew, right there where you're at. Come on, start worshiping him. God, I need you. God, I need you. Come on. Maybe you want to step out from where you are. You need a little bit more room. Step out from where you are right now. And come up to this front and say, God, here I am, Lord. Here I am, God. Anybody else you want to step out? Come on, come by the way of the altar. Come by the way of the labor. Without it, I need you, God. Now, TPC, if you don't have to go, would you get out of your pew and let's come up to the front? You're too holy, Father. 
I'm going to just tell you again, if you got to go, God bless you. Thank you for being here. But I've come to do more than preach a cute message with three points and a point. I want to see God transform our lives and change us till we come into his image and to his likeness. Now here's what I want us to do. I want us to get honest. It's very hard for us to get honest. That's why we don't like the light. Because when the light comes in, it shows us things about ourselves, And many times they're not pretty. But I want the light to come into this room today. And I want the light to show us, God, show me how I can become more like you. If there's anything holding me back, God, unshackle me from every addiction. Unshackle me from every hurt. Unshackle me and loose me from the pain of yesterday. See, God is into the 4-H club. He's into the hurting, the humble, the honest, and the hungry. Remember that, 4-H. He's into the hungry, the hurting, the humble, and the honest. If that's not where you are, then you're not ready for Him. But if you're hurting, you're humble, you're honest, and you're hungry, He's here to help you. Now, all I need you to do is get honest. If you're in this house and you need some shackle, whatever it may be, to be broken, I just want you to lift your hand. Doesn't matter what it is, you need some shackle to be broken. It could be a shackle of heaviness. It could be a shackle of oppression or depression. It doesn't matter. Whatever that shackle is, I want you to lift your hand. Okay. Now, what I need is those of you from TPC, I need you looking around. And I need you to put your hand on somebody's hand that is raised up. The blood that Jesus shed for me right now is still flowing. And we're believing in the name of Jesus, no matter what it is that you feel like it's got you bound or it's got you shackled. We're going to pray a prayer of deliverance, and I believe God's going to hear us right now on the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the blood that was shed at Calvary. We come against every shackle that would oppress us, try to destroy us. In the name of Jesus, every spirit of depression, every spirit of oppression, every spirit of addiction, every spirit of past hurts and past failures, in the name of Jesus, we speak right now deliverance. We speak the power of deliverance over every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house. Set us free, God, through the and through the power of your blood we're going to receive it right now in Jesus name now come on somebody and give God praise come on my hope house guys Jesus 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 Jesus, Jesus. 
depression. Be set free from depression. Be set free from hurts and habits and hangouts in the name of Jesus.
to be your doctor, your lawyer, your bridge over troubled waters. He's going to be your water in a dry and thirsty land. He's going to be your bread when you're hungry. He's all. He's all that you need. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace.